0: Welcome to the Art Funk Podcast, episode...
1: 43! <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh,
0: I think you sigh into almost every episode. Yeah, that's what I'm supposed is to Is that do. how you want to enter the world? Mm-hmm. Through a sigh? hmm oh, I see how it is.
1: Hey, Ryan. Hey, Rachel. What are you doing? drinking coffee cool 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 chill 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 um well we have not recorded in some time we've not seen each other in we haven't released an episode
0: months. in 10 months yeah. um i've seen you oh like every day
1: oh well we've not seen our threes and fours of listeners all of them through the airwaves
0: all less than one handful
1: all oh <laughs> yes yes so um We've been a little uh, busy in trying to catch back on our life and everything, and the Art Funk podcast has uh, been on the list to catch back up on. Yeah. And so here we are, doing that such thing. Did we caught it yet? Is it caught? uh, It's kind of caught. Yeah, It's like mostly caught, Mm. I think. Is it? Is yours not caught? I don't know yet. I've caught my part of it.
0: Well, good job.
1: Thank you, Rachel.
0: <laughs> so should we tell people why it's been ten months since we've released an episode?
1: Um, well, uh we uh we I guess we moved. We did. Um two miles. We moved <laughs> two miles, well, to it was the, like three miles to the right. Yeah. To the to the east. Yeah. Um and um that was a that was kind of a big deal. We got a new dog. We did. Rainbow.
0: Her name is Rainbow. Hello, hello, Rainbow.
1: She's wagging her tail.
0: Hello, she's the happiest dog in the world.
1: And um, what well, else did we do? Uh, You've got the list over there. I can see it.
0: We have. We both have had multiple jobs, both in the same job that we we had last episode, but also several others.
1: Yeah, I don't think that that's a new thing. No, it's just. That practice. Life got busy. It's just we still have them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so st-
0: I'm still at the Nasher. Yeah. You're still at Broadcat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I've been s- still doing a lot of sculpture stuff mm-hmm. in spirit. <laughs> They're not actually casting anything because of the whole moving situation. So you're moving, moving situation.
0: into the conceptual realm.
1: Yes. It's more of a conceptual art project right uh-huh. now and more theoretical. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, Hypothetical. It's a theoretical art project. I'm collecting materials right now. Oh good to have. Good so uh y'all know how it is. It really yeah. be like that sometimes.
0: Yeah. Well, and part of it was like in the mo- because of moving, you didn't really have like a space set up to work. And you yeah. had to figure out like how this new place is gonna work for you. Well them. and then yeah,
1: the new space it changed quite a bit. Yeah. So the old space, we had, like, a big enclosed garage, and that's where I cast all the concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, this new place does not have that. Yeah. it's The big enclosed space is actually a converted garage, which is technically inside the house. Right. And we don't want all that concrete dust flying around. Yeah. So I got to work around that and figure that out. But I'm still uh, I'm getting close. I've casted one piece. Congratulations. Outside. Which, which one? Worked. The Helix. Mm-hmm. I resculpted it so that it would stand up straight and not fall over. Mm-hmm. Um, so that works pretty good. Very nice. Um, I have been doing a lot of lettering on my iPad.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. You've been like crazy lettering so yeah. much.
1: So I actually created an entire, um, entire new Instagram account for uh, my lettering uh, just dedicated to that. Which is... It is at Mm drawingtype.co. And actually, if you just go to my personal Instagram, Ryan Rushing, Mm -hmm. there's a link to there. Yeah. The other ones. So um, it's just lettering, iPad lettering right now. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, but it gives it a spot to, uh, I can, you know, if I'm trying to get commissions or something like that, I can just send people that link instead of, like, trying to say scroll down a bunch. Yeah. Under my sculpture stuff. I think it's, it's really helpful.
0: weird how Instagram has become like portfolios for people. I don't think Instagram realizes what, when they started, what they were starting, like the way no. that people use it. Cause some people use it like portfolio style. Some people still take pictures of their food. Some people use it. I don't know as like, it is the art piece. It just oh, yeah. is really like interesting it, to me yeah. how the platforms changed based on the users like the content is based on the users not based on the company
1: yeah it's real weird and so I have that tangent so I have that yeah and um that's been going okay mm-hmm. I have like less than a hundred followers so that's pretty solid you're getting there getting there getting
0: there yeah I worked on kind of a big thing over the summer well since like I forget if it started in March or in
1: May. What did you do over the summer, Rachel? Uh,
0: I helped work. Well, I was on the Dallas Cultural Planning Committee. Dallas Cultural Plan Planning
1: Committee. Dallas Cultural Plan Planning Committee. Yeah. There's two Is that two the plans. planning committee for the Dallas Cultural Plan? Yes, it is. So what did you do on there?
0: Um, we listened to a lot of people give presentations. No. Mm-hmm. Well, we did. But also, so the cultural plan has been in the works for like a year now and they did like six months or so of um, like public engagement workshops, quote.
1: What's a cultural plan?
0: Cultural plan is a very nebulous thing. I worked on it and I still don't know what the point of it was. No, I'm just kidding. But maybe? So it's like a plan sponsored by the city stating these are the cultural values or goals of the city. But this is the interesting part is that the city doesn't have to actually follow the plan. The city follows the policy that was developed out of the plan. So they, they promoted the plan, had all these public workshops, engaged a few thousand people and, um, through that came up with these big priorities. This is what the city of Dallas cares about. Right. And then they took those priorities and broke those up into task forces, which is what I helped on. And I was on the support for artists task force. Cause you know, that was a priority as it should be on a cultural plan. Um, and then people on each task force involved as many people as they thought, um, would benefit the group or if they needed new ideas or something. And then they wrote out strategies and tactics for how to don't fall asleep, how to wake up. You look like you're about to fall asleep. How to <laughs> develop strategies and tactics for like making those things happen. Um, so like a big one, a big part of the support for artists task force was coming up with, or a big idea that came out of that was this idea of like an artist resource center. And it was a, it's like a central hub. The idea for it is like a central hub where there are people there f- of, from the city who like understand how can be the connection point between the artist and the public and the rest of the city, because it's not the artist's job to understand the way government works. Mm-hmm. It's the artist's job to make art. And so we were talking about ways to help make that easier to do. And maybe that resource center has like workshops and professional development stuff and things like that. Um, but the, so the office of cultural affairs in the city only, it really has to follow the policy, which is what the, I think the OCA looked at the cultural plan and then pulled out what they could turn into policy, like what they could actually do. Mm. Um, and that's what the city has to follow is the policies that they drafted.
1: So your job was to, to help make, and you were the chairman, right? I
0: was the support for artists task force chair or lead. It was kind of, it wasn't like a, a real official position, but
1: yeah. So you helped a thing mm-hmm. for a thing for a thing for the policy.
0: Yes. Cool. Very many steps small steps but you're a part of it. <laughs> so the plan, I think you can go to dallasculture.org or google dallas cultural plan and you should be able to find it and they still accept public feedback on it. Um, and so now now that the plan has been developed and it's like 60 pages, which is long, but there very there's very little text on those pages. It's mostly like big graphic shapes and triangles and bright colors. So they worked on that. <laughs> to make it easier to read and understand cool it's mostly 60 pages of bullet points
1: oh all right and it's a lot of bullet points It's a lot of
0: bullet points um but now i think is the time when it's like okay now we get to hold the city to this thing that they drafted
1: nice all right me and then so that was a lot yeah well how'd you feel about how it turned out
0: um okay i think that like the the things that came out of it were what came out of the public stuff. Um, and like we all worked really hard to include what we could. Um, but it's like also not a final document. Like it's a starting point, it's yeah. not the final thing at all. There's still like more work to
1: do. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, keep us updated mm. as that progresses. Thanks. Will do. Um, What else do we have on the list that we have not covered yet?
0: Sunset's doing things. Actually, we have a new fall resident in right now. Oh, okay. She's going to have a series of open studios, a big public engagement night, um, and then a reception. I think her reception is going to be December 1st, and her name is Stacy Monday. Stacy Monday. One of the coolest names. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a good time. I'll have to share. I can share on something, maybe our Instagram stories or something about it.
1: Yeah, it'd be awesome.
0: I think that's most of the things that have been happening in the last 10 months. We haven't gone to too many shows. The main things that, in terms of art, we've looked at over the past little bit is we went to New Orleans in May. Mm-hmm. And I've been posting some of the pictures from that, from some cool pieces we saw there. And then we went to D.C., in August,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I haven't I haven't gotten to those pictures yet, but I'll post those soon. Yeah, but those are the main
1: ones. Yeah, that's true. We saw that, a lot of
0: that. We saw a car work from Carlos Relong,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think was his name.
1: Yeah, that was in New Orleans. Mm-hmm.
0: And then, let's. What was your favorite part of DC?
1: Favorite part of DC art part? Yeah, art
0: or otherwise.
1: Favorite art part of DC was besides seeing Obama's portrait. I mean, yeah. That's and, ki- and portrait. Yeah. The portraits was kind of a big deal. So, like, you can't really compete with that. I feel like that's in a, its own category. Yeah. So, that's, um, we saw those. Yeah. Never those felt portraits. so patriotic. Yeah. And Obama's portrait is big. Yeah. It's very big. And it's very bright green. Yeah. Because of the background. If you're not sure what we're talking about, Gende mm-hmm. Wiley painted... Barack Obama's portrait and um, it's very different than the traditional presidential portraits yeah most of them are brown ish tones like brown tones earth tones yeah they're in like an office and yellows and they're an or like in there.
0: George George Bush was on his couch yeah I thought that was really funny
1: yeah so then Kennedy Wiley painted this like lush like green greenery. glorious behind uh president obama Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a very sharply painted Mm -hmm. there's no blurry there's no art marks in it
0: that was something crisp so crisp that was something i was really surprised about was walking through the presidential portraits and seeing like the style like the pose was very similar to a lot of historical portraits right but the the clarity was like another level like a lot of the older portraits from you know the past hundred years or whatever of presidents Mm -hmm. it was like kind of soft and kind of fuzzy and it's like kind of angelic looking and you know they were respectable but the paint itself was just this kind of like the painting itself was kind of like hazy looking
1: yeah it was very otherworldly yeah other ones
0: and then this was like sharp
1: yeah crisp it was like This is Barack Obama.
0: And you will see him in all of his magnificence.
1: That's what the painting said to me and you. Yeah. 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 So we went and then had to go find Michelle's portrait, which is in a totally different part of the building. I know. I thought that was weird. I
0: mean, I get that she was not the president, but also. Right. It's like hard to get to.
1: Yeah. It was like she was in, uh, the, her portrait was in some room called, um, I don't remember what it was. It was something about famous Americans. Just oh, like, yeah.
0: Yeah, because there was a portrait of like a Beyonce magazine cover and like a, a yeah. Jay-Z painting also by Kahinde Wally. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a painting of Oprah maybe or Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. Toni mm-hmm. Morrison was in there.
1: hmm yep.
0: But it was like, yeah, like famous people, but Michelle, Michelle Obama's not just
1: famous. Yeah, she was like, america for a while yeah she still is yeah so like put her in a different room by herself yeah <laughs> uh, so anyway we went and saw her portrait and all the photos that you see of her portrait don't really they don't really have the same detail no level of detail so you like you really have to go see it too
0: yeah like amy Sherrill did the painting and we saw a the Michelle Obama portrait and then where were we where there were a bunch more by her. I forget what, what museum or gallery we were in. It might've just been a different spot in the same museum. Yeah. But there were more portraits by Amy Sherald Mm -hmm. and there, the way that she paints like in photographs looks very flat, but when you get up on it, she's painting in so many deep layers that the colors kind of like bleed through very, very slowly. Yeah. For you to like pick up, pick up on them, yeah,
1: and the camera just has a really hard time capturing that mm. stuff. Yeah, so if you're if you're ever looking for a trip, go over there and and since most of the museums and stuff are all like funded by taxpayers, then you can get into them for free. free. So you don't have to pay extra money to go to see all these things. I think we have to pay
0: to go to like. I think the women's museum was paid and maybe like one of the, the Renwick or something, or maybe one of the portrait galleries. Yeah. The international Not museum. Them. Oh yeah. That was paid. That, that was so fun.
1: That was more like a theme park than anything. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was most of the art we've seen over this yeah. time. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've seen quite a, quite a bit, but we haven't done our normal thing, which is go do art. Right. Every other week. And then record an episode about it in Dallas, particularly. So, but we're getting caught back up. Yeah, we're getting back into the groove. We're getting, you know, we're finding uh, finding our our patterns in life again, and that's, you know, it's just what we do. And also, this is our podcast, and so we do what we want. <laughs>
0: I do what I want, but that, I think that's all of our updates.
1: What is um, next on the list to go over?
0: Well, next we're gonna hear from our commercial sponsors
1: oh right our commercial sponsor and and take a moment for
0: uh this is not a corner Mm. we'll be right back take a break welcome to this is not a corner hey rachel hey ryan
1: feels like a corner it does literally in a corner right now recording
0: are we though or are we in every corner or in no corners if you're in every corner are you in any corner
1: we're in this one particularly.
0: But this is not a corner.
1: Okay. Um, what happens in Not a Corner, Rachel? It's been like 10 months since we've recorded a it podcast. It has.
0: <laughs> so we, we have a little uh, art speak in This Is Not a Corner. And then we're going to hear from our commercial sponsors.
1: What is art speak?
0: Art speak is when we look at this book named Art Speak mm-hmm. and we see if either one of us can figure out what these words mean.
1: Oh, yeah. They're multisyllabical they that they're word elliptic? They're elliptical and uh-huh. syllabic
0: in their nature at the same time. Interesting, right? Okay, so are you ready for this this episode's and I art guess speak
1: what this word means? Yeah. So
0: okay. one of us reads it, and the other one has to figure out what it means. Okay. I'm, I'll read it this week. Hit me. This term is pathetic art.
1: You want me to guess what the word pathetic art means? Yes. Like. Not and used it as an adjective. No, it's an actual an art movement, art
0: term, an art term. Yeah. Pathetic art. What is that?
1: All right. Well, let me reason this one out, as we usually do. As we do. So, pathetic mm. is related to the word empathetic, right? Okay. So, if you were to make empathetic art, right, uh-huh. that would be art cons- with empathy. Okay. That would be art to like. Respond in in emotion towards someone else's feelings, right? Okay. Okay. So pathetic art
0: is not that
1: is art that is kind of like sympathetic. (laughs) So you have sympathetic and empathetic. Uh So this is neither of those. Okay. Okay. Okay, so what is it? Lay the groundwork. Okay. So pathetic art I'm just gonna come out and say it, Rachel. (laughs) Okay. I love that. I'm just gonna come out and say it. Is it's it's whenever you it's whenever you use a lot of line work in your your, your painting uh-huh. and has a lot of like line like paths. Okay. Like pathetic path etic work. Path path
0: based. Yeah, it's path. Got based it. Artwork. Path based artwork. Right. Got it.
1: And contrary to popular belief, it doesn't have anything to do with sympathetic or empathetic. Okay, So got that's it. why I was trying to lay the groundwork. Uh, the give us context. About that. Yeah, yeah, context is the word. Yeah, yeah. So was I close? No. Oh, well, what is what is what is pathetic art? Work of the path, also known as pathetic art. You're yeah, right. It's, well, it's shabby. Heard it both
0: ways. Shabby, unappealing, flawed, even embarrassing or off-putting art. Embarrassing not a art. style but a movement. No, not a movement either. Not a style but the embodiment of an attitude that rejects the model of the modernist artist's quest for the heroic sublime. Mm. Self-deprecating, emotionally cool, pathetic artworks reject familiar ideas of art as a quest or a journey in favor of settling in the psychic terrain of failure and ineptitude.
1: You remember what I was talking about before? No. Oh, which too. Which oh, part? I was about to say something really <laughs> clever, but I forgot. Halfway through your sentence.
0: Uh, if pathetic art were oh, more serious... Oh, about multiple syllabic. Multi- yeah, that one.
1: There's a lot of syllables in that.
0: There is. It looks like pathetic art is doesn't take itself seriously enough to actually say too much but if it did it might be like political style of art oh, okay maybe so yeah that's that's your art speak word of the day term of the day
1: this episode is brought to you by bees bees stop killing us we're trying to help thanks bees thanks bees for all your hard work And thanks for sponsoring episode 43 of the Art Funk Podcast. The whole Bee Union uh, took out an ad on our podcast. It's so hard to believe, but yet. And
0: yet, here we
1: are. Here we are. Thanks, Bees, for all the hard work you do.
0: Back to the main event.
1: Hey, Ryan. Well,
0: welcome back, Rachel. Welcome back to you. Thanks. So, uh, that was a great word from This Is Not A Corner and our commercial sponsors.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So you uh, recorded an interview. I did. With an artist uh, like a while ago. Yeah. um, Before we took our hiatus. And um, who was that with? And what's she about?
0: I talked with Dan Lamb. And it was probably in August of last year. So apologies for the time change. Um, And she is from Dallas or she lives in Dallas. And uh, she makes these books blobby things. She's going to talk a little bit more about what that means in the interview. Let's give it a listen. Let's do it. All right. Hi. Hello. Uh, Thanks for talking with me. Um, Could you tell the people a little bit about who you are
2: and where you're from? Sure. Um, Well, I am Dan Lamb. I am an artist living in Dallas, Texas. Um, I grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth, probably since middle school. Um, before that, I lived in Houston. Um, my studio is currently in North Dallas. I'm also the resident artist at the Fairmont uh, Hotel downtown, um, and I'll be there until December, and hopefully a little bit longer than that, but we're still working on dates. That's um, yeah, on I, Ross.
0: Yes, yes, Ross and Ackert, I believe. Yeah.
2: Yes. Cool. Um, yeah. So that's a you know that's like a different kind of thing that I'm doing right now. Um, but along with you know all those shows and stuff that I've been doing. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I and also I would like to note that I, I would say I primarily make sculptures. A lot of times people ask me if I'm like a, if I consider myself a painter or a sculptor, mm-hmm. but I think they're fully sculptures now. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Cool. Um, so the first thing I like to ask people when I talk to them is how you define your relationship to art.
2: I feel like art for me is a very intrinsic thing. It is like my life. So everything I do kind of revolves around it. It's a passion. It's been there since I can remember. Um, I, you know, my, all my free time is pretty much art related, even if, You know, it's just something simple as like going to an opening or just hanging out with a friend who is also an artist. Mm -hmm. Um, My boyfriend is also, he's an art handler. We met at UNT in art school. Um, Yeah, so I think it's a very kind of tied into my life kind of thing. I don't separate the two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When you have to talk about your work to people, maybe they haven't seen it before. How Mm -hmm. do you describe it?
2: (laughs) This happens... This happens quite frequently. I think I narrowed <laughs> it down to like a few words. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I do, I say they're organic, drippy shelf sculptures, is what I'm most known for. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I just describe them as like these uh, organic, sort of otherworldly, colorful, spiky textured blobby things (laughs) (laughs) I I like that very technical precise yeah generally people do they can pinpoint it once I describe it so I think that's good (laughs) yeah so
0: like you're doing this Fairmont uh, residency have -hmm. you done other residencies that I don't know were really formative or helpful for you or just super exciting to be a part of
2: um I residencies are a pretty big thing for me. I haven't had the opportunity to do very many of them, but they are definitely something I want to do more of in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a res- residency last year with Fort Works Art um, right before my big solo show. So wait, was that last year? Yes, 2000. <laughs> it's Everything's moved so fast oh that I'm gosh. like... Um, yeah. So 2016 in August, I had a big solo show in Fort Worth with the gallery of Fort Works art. And, um, we kind of, it was sort of like a makeshift residency. I didn't have a large enough studio space. So they let me use their sort of warehouse area that is now more of a studio as like more artists have come through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I used that space to, um, pretty much make like the entire body of work that was at my solo. So, Um, I didn't, I didn't stay in Fort Worth. I, you know, I drove back and forth from Dallas, but, Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was, uh, I would consider it a residency. A lot of the work that I made there was, um, well, not a lot, but I made a few things that were sort of site specific. Um, I made a couple drips that hung off of like one of their walls that hung off both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was like a really different kind of, uh, technique and set of problem solving that I had to embrace. Um, And I learned a lot from that. um, And it kind of sparked more ideas of um, making site-specific work, which is also another long-term goal of mine.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you like to make sure that you're treating each space differently?
2: Yes. And I found that with the shows that I've been doing, you know, a lot of these shows, like I just had a show in San Francisco and the space was, you know, it's like a quaint, like, smaller space. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had the dimensions. I had, like, I could re- refer to, like, my living room is, like, the size of the space. But it was so hard for me to kind of just imagine it, the show together in the space without physically being there. Mm-hmm. So I'm finding that more and more I really need to see the space before I start making work for it. I mean, it works either way. Like I, you know, my work, my pieces are so interchangeable and like, you know, you can curate and group them in whatever way you want Mm -hmm. and it it works well. Um, but for me to like really take on a space, yeah, I definitely find that like, it's helpful for me to like make work for that space and be in the space. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of like my next, um, the next thing I'm kind of approaching is 2018 is trying to be more present in whatever gallery or, you know, whatever space I'm working in and try and making, make things unique to that.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm curious, uh, looking at your pieces, you've got like on your website, you've got kind of a timeline, but then, you know, blobs and drips and (laughs) squishes. And your technique is like, so, I don't know, you can tell it's your work. Mm-hmm. You know, like everything is, has this really beautiful consistency, but you're still like playing, it feels like you're still playing with forms mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but one thing that I noticed that changes are like your titles are all very different. So I was wondering if you had any thing you could share, like where you're thinking of, um, pulling those ideas from to relate to each of your pieces.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, uh, my, my the titles are of my most current works, like the draw, the the drips and the blobs and all that stuff. I get a lot of them. I name a lot of my pieces after the fact, so I make them and then I respond to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they a lot of them come from pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my work deals with beauty and you know sort of questioning aesthetics and um, pushing like what is attractive versus sort of repulsive or beautiful versus hideous or ugly or grotesque Mm -hmm. and so a lot of my titles are kind of playful hints at that that I'm dealing with beauty Mm -hmm. but um the titles are more like I have one called thigh gap you know and so that's like (laughs) it's like a little funny like um pop culture reference to this idea this kind of like ideal of having like a thigh gap Mm -hmm. and you know these things are not human at all but I think that you know, when you apply that kind of thinking to them, they, they take on like little personalities and, um, you know, like, are they striving to have this idealized body part, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of where it comes from. And then like, I have one that I just recently, I just made called no makeup makeup, you know, and that's like another, that's like a beauty trend, right? Mm -hmm. Like, a a beautiful makeup look that looks natural. Um, you know, so just stuff like that. Like I reference a lot of beauty related pop culture, uh, like phrases and sayings to kind of just give the viewer a little hint of how to access the work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Did you get to, I'm kind of curious how you came to this material in these forms? Is this something that you had connections with growing up or, or anything like that? Or you just kind of discovered this material maybe in school or something?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I've been really interested in soft sculpture for a very long time. Like that's when I think back on like museum experiences or like Mm -hmm. seeing works that I'm really attracted to. Yeah. um, Soft sculpture is like a major kind of immediate reaction for me. So like I've you know I've seen like Clay Soldenberg's work mm-hmm. and every time I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm like it's like it causes such a like I feel it like in my heart. It's like a weird. Yeah. You know, it's just a strong reaction. Yeah. And um same with like Linda banglis or Joseph boys mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> Eva-, Eva Hess is the same. Anyway, so um, you know, my aesthetic I think has been building for a long time regarding like soft things Mm um but the material itself I I feel like I've been searching for something like it for for quite a while especially since like you know starting um college and undergrad so in undergrad I was working a lot with sort of playing with um I was I I had a painting and drawing degree and so I was like a 2d you know artist or whatever Mm -hmm. um and I started sort of questioning like, you know, why are we confined to the panel and just like these kind of um, foundational types of thoughts um, occurred to me. Like why, you know, how, what happens when I leave the canvas? What happens when I start to extend over the canvas, what does it become? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started working with like hot glue, plaster, resin. Um, But before resin I was looking, I was using like a lot of acrylic mediums. And so a lot of like my, Material progression has been a sort of um, almost like a functional thing. Um, you know, the the acrylic paint was cracking too much. The hot glue got too heavy, and it wasn't thick enough. Mm. And so it continued my search and research for the perfect material if such a thing exists. Yeah. Um, and so I got to grad school, and I continued using these materials, but continued experimenting a lot with just different things I could find and, like, get my hands on. And I looked closer at linda banglis's work Mm -hmm. and her especially her poured um insulation pieces and they kind they looked great and perfect and i just you know i was curious like what it was she was using so i did some research and i found it the material is called polyurethane foam Mm -hmm. and um there's different densities of it you can dye it it's just a very versatile interesting material so um i found it and started experimenting with it and it It got to exactly what I wanted it to, which was the softness suspended, Mm -hmm. like this idea of something soft and liquid, but it's hard and kind of keeps its, its look of like gravity, you Mm -hmm. know, affecting it. Mm -hmm. Um, it also reminded me a lot of the body. The raw material is like a tan beige skin, like color, almost Mm -hmm. not really like skin, like, but you know, it's like very yellow and kind of like just not attractive. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, and it had like, if you could, if you manipulated a certain way, it would have like lumps and bumps the way like skin has cellulite or like, you know, little imperfections on the skin. So there was this really interesting relationship with it and the body for me. So um, yeah, I just started like experimenting with it and pushing the material and figuring out what I could do with it. And I've been working with it for probably about five years now. And I still like discover things about it because it's such a um, it's like a two-part liquid that you mix together, and there's there's just factors involved, like outside factors that will affect what it, what it can or can't do. So, like if it's a little cold in the in the studio, then it the chemical reaction is a little slower. If the if it's warm in the studio, chemical reaction is faster. Um, the Time you pour it, so you're like your timing is important. If you pour it later, it expands more. Mm. Pour it early, it's skinnier, you know. So, there's all these like different things that, yeah. um, you know, I continue to learn about it, but um, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's like kind of my um story with the material, kind of an evolving relationship, yes, yeah, definitely. I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, so that's kind of a, a progression through. Forms and and materials that you've been working with. Have you seen your your career evolve in any ways that maybe you weren't expecting?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I went to grad school so I could get my master's so mm-hmm. I could teach. Mm-hmm. That was kind of like the you know that's like a pretty standard um, yeah. practice I think for a lot same, of working same. artists. Yeah, yeah. You know, you <laughs> you go to school. You're like, okay, well, I'll have an art practice while I teach and make an income, whatever. So that was my game plan, and um, I. Got out of grad school, and I moved to Midland, Texas with my boyfriend for a year. He's mm-hmm. from there. Um, he was working there while I was in grad school, and, you know, I told him, like, we'll, we'll stay here for a year, and then we'll move after this mm-hmm. um, for his, you know, for his work and stuff. So... I spent that year because Midland is like literally in the middle of nowhere. There's like, there's nothing going on. It's an oil, it's an oil town where people go to work.
0: I feel like I, the only
2: reason I know anything about
0: Midland is like, if it's mentioned in a television show or I mm -hmm. drive through it to go west.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yes. Um, it was, uh, yeah. And and that's exactly what it is. I think that's how most people know about it. It's either Friday night lights because of like, the, you know, the TV show and the football or yeah, they're going to El Paso or like Amarillo or, you know, wherever. Um, so I spent that year sort of, uh, as, as a sort of self-imposed residency, I had a little studio, Mm -hmm. I taught at the community college, um, and I just like developed my work post grad school. And at that time is when I got on Instagram more actively, excuse me, and I, you know, just started sort of trying to find and build, like, a community of people who were, you know, just artists and people I could talk to and just continue the dialogue that I had in grad school, and, um, that's how it, that's how it kind of, like, all started. It, like, exploded from there. I, I, I got, like, a bunch of reposts and followers and stuff on Instagram, and I didn't expect it to go the way it did, but Instagram is really what helped, um, my career a whole lot. So, you know, that the snowball effect, like it just, my Instagram just kind of like picked up and got crazy. And, Mm -hmm. um, from that came like so many opportunities and so many, like, you know, people reaching out for like shows and, um, representation and just the, just the sheer amount of eyes that have been exposed to my work. Um, Is something like I just, I would have never, never like expected that. Yeah. I
0: mean, I don't think they talk about uh, networking through Instagram in professional practices class in grad school.
2: No, they do not. (laughs) Absolutely not. And I, and I, you know, I was thinking about that. I was like, I would love to like go and speak to a class about that. It's so new. Mm -hmm. It's so, but it's such a huge deal. It's such a big thing for art and like artists, art world, art galleries. Like everyone uses it. Yeah. But yeah, it's not, it's not. But maybe not like to its potential Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely Um, there's so many facets to it there's so many like different strategies and techniques and or non-strategies you know like I approached it without like the intention of building like a large following I just just wanted to get my work out there and just have other people like comment and respond and just create like that little like a little circle of people that I could you know bounce ideas off of or just talk to and Mm -hmm. um, yeah and then it just went crazy do you feel like you,
0: I mean, at that point in time, it sounds like there was a lot of engagement with anybody that was looking at your work through there. Do you feel like mm-hmm. you are able to still maintain that level of engagement, even though, you know, your following count has kind of exploded?
2: Um, I would say yes and no. I feel like, I feel like I definitely engage um, with a maybe more artists mm-hmm. still like it. That's still a very prominent part of like Instagram for me. I think as far as like comments and like stuff like that on posts, um, I don't engage quite as much. Um, I try to respond to DMS, you know, mm-hmm. like if people ins- like message me and that kind of thing, like I'll, I'll respond to like DMS and stuff, but I don't know. I, I feel like as things have gotten like just more, just bigger and more, um, I don't know why it's kind of hard for me to like engage via the comments, especially when like I have viral videos that go viral.
1: Mm, um,
2: yeah. That's like a whole different thing. And I have actually kind of stopped reading comments on, on those kinds of posts. Um, you know, when it gets into like the hundreds oh, <laughs> or yeah. like thousands, it's like, I can't, I can't. And sometimes it's just, there's just weird stuff that people say and I can't really like get caught up in it. So I think that that's part of it too, is Instagram's this major, major thing for me in my career. But I think sometimes you have to draw a line because you could get caught up in like, you know, reading like some, there's like people out there who troll and like, it's easy to like get engaged and like want to respond to the trolls. Yeah, Um, And, you know, like I, so I try to avoid that and I don't even like sometimes, and that's why I don't even read the comments sometimes. It's because it's like, I don't want to like get riled up or like, you know. Well, and it's, it feels like because comments are always so open
0: to Mm -hmm. literally the world, like there's no sense of turning them off like there's no sense right. of off button or off switch to say okay it's done now mm-hmm. we're gonna stop
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm. are there any new challenges for you right now either a career path or like actual artwork path that are coming up for you right now
2: um i think that the i do have like a like a thing i guess but they're in tr- kind of like tied together um I this year has been really, really busy for me. And it's been a great year. I've had multiple shows. And I've been really, really busy. And I'm finding that, um, you know, as like these solo shows or like two person shows come up, I have all these ideas that I want to execute and make happen. But what happens is, you know, if you do like a solo show one month, and then like two months later, you do another solo show, there's, there's not really enough time to like experiment and make solid work Mm -hmm. from that, from those experiments um, and also making like the body of work that people want to see, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to give myself that time. It's been hard to give myself that time in the studio to just like play and experiment while I still do it. It's always kind of like um, it coincides with making new work you know like just new work for shows so i'm like i'm experimenting here and there <clears throat> so um i find that that's kind of been my biggest like struggle is just like executing the this these new ideas and new works and experiments that i want to do mm-hmm. um And not being able to because of these kinds of like time constraints that I've put on myself. Um, So now moving forward, like next year, I have paced myself a lot better. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was booking up 2017, I was like, oh, yeah, like I have like this month free. So I'll book something then and this month's free. So it's almost like every month I had something going on. Yeah. And um, luckily, some things have moved around. And every time something moves around or I said no to something, it's always been to my benefit. So I'm learning that. Um, I need to just give myself more time, pace myself better between shows, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and just give myself time to breathe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's, it's so exciting that you've had such a solid year and that your career has really like pushed you into all of these different places around the world and this great direction in your work where you're able to really like think about your work and let it evolve over time and stuff, even if it feels like, you're not giving yourself enough time in between those moments, in between mm-hmm. those shows. Um, and I'm curious, I, when I talk to people who are emerging artists, there seems to always be this like strife or tension of like how do you like fund yourself to make the work mm-hmm. and like pay rent and health insurance? I don't know. has that been an issue that you've had to work through? is like how do you deal with Creating this great career for yourself, but then also like being able to do basic life stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I I think I've been very fortunate um, mm-hmm. in terms of sales and being able to like live <laughs> in, <laughs> yeah. in addition to like a <clears throat> solid studio practice. Um, I I think the biggest difficulty for me has been I think maybe. When you're a full-time artist and if you're doing gallery shows and stuff like that, basically what you rely on for your paycheck is the galleries getting that money to you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes galleries don't pay on time Mm -hmm. or sometimes you have to like kind of push them. And that's like a whole different set of things. You know, I think artists, you know, I think it's hard to generalize what we are like in terms of like, personality and characteristics. But um, I find that, you know, I think it's hard for some artists to say like, hey, I need my paycheck. I need the money from this when it's been months. You know, some people just let it go. Some people just wait for the gallery. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I found that it's been really important to kind of be like on, like on with that. Like, you know, if 30 days have passed, like it says in the contract, like send Mm -hmm. that email, send that text, give that phone call um, to get To get paid. Um, So I think that's kind of the thing is you have to be able to budget and know that like, you know, okay, I made this amount for the next three months. I might not get a check from a gallery. So I have to budget this amount that I got now. And I think that that's why like, you know, it helps when you have like a salary job or like a, like a weekly paycheck or every other week you get a paycheck or something like that, that, you know, that income is coming in Mm -hmm. um, versus like, I don't know when my next check is going to be, but Um, luckily I've been able to do, and this is, this is kind of, this is actually like a, maybe not a problem, but something that I think more about moving forward too is, um, like I've taken on some more corporate things. Like I did a commission for Facebook, Mm um, which is actually a part of the artist in residence program. So, you know, I got like a big chunk of money from that and that has helped me like mentally and like stress wise or whatever, to know that, you know, for the next few months, I don't need to get like a check from a gallery to be okay. Like, Mm. so like, I found that, you know, when you take on these bigger projects, that gives you that freedom to fund some, you know, some new projects or to like buy some crazy materials that you're just going to like, not throw away, but you know, like they don't have an end goal of selling selling a piece like right. you can just buy materials just to make some stuff that no one can, will ever see um so that i find that that has helped me a lot in uh sort of funding the studio practice and mm-hmm. living is like taking on these bigger projects and also like you know just being smart about money mm-hmm. um if i ever got to a point where i felt like it the struggle was too much then i probably would attempt to probably like adjunct or teach somewhere yeah yeah well, it
0: sounds like we've got a nice general outline for Dan Lamb's professional practices course. So whenever you're ready to <laughs> develop that curriculum, you've got a solid foundation. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Um, so the, I'm really excited that we got to chat. If people want to find out more about you and your work, where would they look to do that?
2: Um, my Instagram is a great uh source I post more to my Instagram than I do update my website. Mm-hmm. I think my website's probably a little behind. Um I have some things I need to add to my CV. Um but anyway yeah my um Instagram is great. You can contact me through there um uh, as well. My website is probably my second choice but yeah Instagram. I think Instagram's where it's at. Cool.
0: What's your username on there?
2: It is so po Beautiful
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> does yeah, that come from somewhere?
2: Yeah, it stands for um, so post postmodern. Oh, I love maybe the- <laughs> I made the account when I was in grad school, like the last year of grad school or something. And I remember the big question in grad school was like, where does your work fall into the context of art history? Mm. And it was such a difficult question, because you know, you don't have the hindsight to like, to place yourself, right? Um, so it just made it as like, the name was just a joke. And, and you know, how like, in millennial speak, I guess, or like the current language mm-hmm. of the culture, it's like shortening all the words. So yeah, like YOLO funny. or FOMO. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. beautiful. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll include that.
0: There should be an art speak version of the, of millennial speak.
2: Oh, that would be cool. Millennial
0: abbreviations.
2: I'll, uh, I would help with that.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's
0: awesome. <laughs> cool. So pomo. Yes. Instagram and then... Yeah by dan com.
2: yeah awesome
0: cool well thanks for talking with me today
2: well thank you for having me
1: so awesome yeah that was really that was really cool to hear she's uh very good at giving uh interviews yes <laughs> very well practiced very well practiced at it yeah
0: she sounds like a professional
1: she she i feel like she is a professional i think so so one thing stuck out to me as I was listening to this was that, um, this question of, this is about to get real deep. Okay. So if you don't like deep stuff, now's the time to probably turn the podcast off. Yeah. But let's go on this journey but together. But let's go on the journey together. Let's see where we end up, yeah. you know? Um, uh, so she is very prolific. Uh-huh. She's got hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers. Mm-hmm. And um, she, on there recently, I don't know if she talked about this much on when you interviewed her last year, mm-hmm. but um, recently there was, um, she partnered with Vans. Yeah. And some of her patterns are on, you can choose them on Vans shoes. Mm-hmm. And then she did, so she installed some of her work at like Facebook mm-hmm. and some other stuff. So I, I have a, 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 I guess not a question, but sort of a... um what's the word a observation oh sure we'll we'll go with observation okay um curiosity it's a curiosity really that's about uh commercial commercial uh overlap commercialism overlapping with artists artistism being an artist mm-hmm. and being a commercial artist and like what does that mean i don't know do you know what i mean yeah like Like what's the relationship there yeah because like um i think there's an essence of getting paid yeah and how do you do that yeah and so like you know as i would love for like my you know my work the Mm -hmm. work that i do to end up on some van shoes that'd be like that'd be pretty cool yeah um and then like getting paid for that kind of stuff and so what came up in my mind is, like, how corporations uh, use um, people's artwork or, you know, the work of artists mm-hmm. to, you know, make them more money. So, like, the yeah. way that works is, like, you know, no matter what the artist gets paid, the company has done the math and figured out that they're going to make more money. Yeah. They're going to return get a return on that investment. Yeah. They're so, spending
0: money on something in order to make money. Yeah, for
1: their company. Yeah. And so for an artist, and I don't know about Dan, Dan I know she didn't go much into it, so I don't want to, I'm not um, projecting anything here. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, a lot of, you know, artists, they're very particular about whose causes they support. And yeah. I don't know about Van's company and if they're yeah. all right or whatever. But, like, um, it also came up with thinking about, uh like Colin Kaepernick right. um, and Nike,
0: yeah, just any time that a company is taking on a like a artistic or a social identity is really interesting,
1: yeah, there's something, and I don't know that there's you know Dan Lamb or Colin or Colin Kaepernick or whoever you know whoever is being the voice of anything, yeah. is not you know at fault for getting paid. They yeah. should certainly get paid if they can for their work. Uh, And then I don't know that it's too much the fault of the corporation because they found an opportunity to, you know, reach into a different market that they Mm -hmm. didn't have before. Mm -hmm. But it's just an interesting world that we live in where art and social movements are funded by big corporations. Yeah, right. And supported by corporations. Mm -hmm. And I made this joke on Facebook a while back, but um, I saw, uh, you know, every time I go to the gym and I see someone not wearing Nike, yeah, I think, wow, what a huge racist! <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: which I guess was Nike's whole point
1: because those other organizations didn't partner or don't partner with you know anyone's you know who speaks out against yeah um, racial injustice or anything and yeah. but but Nike did and so every mm-hmm. time I see Nike I'm like oh okay so you're cool yeah. person wearing Nike mm-hmm. this other person wearing Under Armour or whatever they they're terrible but they're a terrible person so yeah. then i'm like oh well, i can only buy nike now advertising worked so like because otherwise if i don't buy nike everyone's gonna think i'm a huge racist right so it's just like that messaging gets tied to an a social idea. platform yeah and it's i don't know it's an interesting spot to be in in yeah. the world and i'm not sure that like i don't know i'm just not i don't know anything i don't know much about um economics or whatever mm-hmm. to, to make a call on that. But um art artists have to get paid somehow. People should get paid for the work that they do. Yeah. They, people should get paid for the work that they do, yeah, sure. And I don't think Colin Kaepernick or Dan Lamin or who or who any artist I mean, who's the guy, um what's his name? Bastiat. Yeah. yeah. Like they partner with people to and uh, even um we know someone, Art Pena, partnered with Coach, right? Oh yeah. So like get artists should get paid. I yeah. just wanna say that. Yeah. But to, it's also an interesting
0: space to be in. Yeah. When you're combining like capitalism and art.
1: Yeah, it's like historically art has been a, a place where you get to speak out and say something Mm -hmm. and that's not being said. Mm -hmm. And then now we're in a spot and I I honestly still haven't decided like if it's a positive or negative picture of our world right now, but where corporations come in and go like, Ooh, we want to be associated with that Mm -hmm. voice, whatever that voice is. I want to be associated with it. Um, and I just find that like very interesting to like think about, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, this, this is some deep thought that I had. She
0: brought up a lot for you. Yeah. Yeah that's a good conversation to have, I think. Yeah. And Interesting. I, stuff. I don't
1: think that it's necessarily like positive or negative right now. Yeah. As long as you know why you're doing things. Yeah. Being intentional.
0: Yeah. Um, well, so I messaged Dan because we talked, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think I interviewed her and uh, August of 2017, maybe. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's been a while. So I messaged her and I was like, Hey, this is finally happening. What's going on with you? Can we share any updates with the people? All four of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she I said know, that and fours of <laughs> out there. she said that she has a, a new show opening at, uh, in Portland at Stephanie Shafus projects. Um, that's happening. And then she's going to start a month long residency in Wyoming at the Teton art lab, which I'm like, that's amazing. I, re- I, I personally really want to have a residency there because it looks amazing. And is it out in the mountains? Yeah, like out in the mountains. Mm. I think it's in Jackson, Wyoming. Wow. Um, And then later this year, she's, she's going to have work up during um Art Basel in Miami, which is pretty legit. So nice. She's doing the things. It's awesome. Do your thing. So, yeah, I was really excited. I think that made... Not quite 10 episodes or something like that where we did some interviews. So um, I think moving forward, I want to mix up the kind of interviews I'm doing with people and talk a little bit more about, uh, talk a little bit more with people who are working in the more like social practice or like political realm and what that looks like. Yeah. So it's a field I'm interested in. In like
1: one sentence, Uh what is social practice?
0: Social practice is art that requires relationships for it to be for it to exist okay. so like um i can do a painting by myself right, right? but if i want to do a series of prints about housing affordability and i want to have community conversations around that the content from my prints might come from those conversations and that can't happen without them got it right so okay. it's about bringing people into that art process okay yeah
1: looking forward to that yeah
0: um, so I'll start doing those pretty soon and getting back to the grind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So new episodes will be coming up here in a little bit once we get some interviews in the, in the hops. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else? Any other
0: announcements? I think we did it. Do we do it? I think we did it.
1: All right. Well, episode 43.
0: Done and done. Is,
1: that's not a prime number. Yeah, it is. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. Look at that. Look at that. Prime number episode. Yeah. We should end every season on prime number episodes.
0: (laughs) That's a specific goal.
1: Yeah. (laughs) There's also no pattern. No. So that'd be cool. Mm. All right. Well, see you later, everybody, I guess.
0: All right, y'all. Make art. Get funky.